0: The reading is taken from St. John's Gospel, chapter 15, beginning to read at verse 1. The vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, let's pray. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Lord Jesus, uh, we want to be those that are found in you. And we recognize that apart from you, we can do nothing. So fill our hearts, fill our thoughts. Take my words and let them be pleasing to you. Teach us to remain in you, we pray. Amen. Well, why is it that religion gets such a bad press? and struggles to make an impact in the communities in which it's based? Why does it seem that so many have given up on any notion of the church being able to provide any thought-through answers to the issues of the world? My guess is that there are two ends of a scale that disturb and concern this generation about the church and about religion in general. The first is religious extremism. So many of the threads we see in the world have as a cause or have some connection with religious extremism. Religion is part of the warp and woof, it seems, of the troubles in our world. And for that reason, the church can seem a troublesome place to come. It is, after all, institutionally part of the problem. Like it or not... For the uninitiated, there is a faint link between much of the trouble that we see on our televisions and the churches that we're part of. But at the other extreme is another appalling facet to religion, and that is mindless routinism. You know the deal. You turn up at this time on a Sunday because that's what you do, you sit in your seat. You sing this song, you repeat these words, you walk out without speaking to anyone, and you spend the rest of your week with no reference at all to what went on in church on Sunday. Religious routinism is also a turn-off to Christianity. It's why church has, for many, become, well, surplus to requirements, Extremism on the one side and routinism on the other both fail to bring about a convincing narrative that religion and Christianity, as part of that, has any part to play in my life or any part to play in sorting out the mess of this world. Both fail to give a broad enough view of something that captivates and transforms, that makes me want to change the way that I live that recognizes my weakness and my sin, my inability to bring change, and that so captivates my heart that I'm desperate for something different. Friends, I think what we need is a fresh vision of religion, actually a fresh vision of Jesus, one that doesn't lead us to the sort of extremism that sees people pick up guns or bombs, nor one that leads us to repeat phrases over and over mindlessly or stand and sit when we're instructed to do so, but is ineffectual to meet the emptiness of my soul or is ineffectual to say anything into my broken relationship or my approach to the poor and needy. We need a grown-up religion which, when it reads the Bible, sees not only the raw material that could, on a certain reading, justify extremism, but also which points us to coexistence, to living together as family, to kindness, to love and forgiveness. So what hope for the church? Well, I think there's lots of hope. One of the themes of this present age is our connectedness, isn't it? We're more connected now than we've ever been. Our phones, our tablets, our iPads are always on. And we have a mild sweat when there's no 4G access. And we're out of range for even just a few minutes. Many here, I know, are connected to family overseas. And to friends from long ago at the click of just a button. There's nothing more alluring in our world than connectivity. And connectivity is a reality that Jesus understood from the outset. You see, he's all about connection. He didn't use any computer metaphors. He used a more organic picture. I am the vine, you are the branches. Today and over the next few weeks, we're looking at this tremendous passage in John 15 where Jesus makes an incredible statement about who he is. It's a passage where Jesus invites us to be involved in so much more than religious extremism or routinism, but into a living, a vibrant, a transforming relationship with him. One that produces fruit. One that connects us with others. One that gives us purpose and meaning. That's a narrative that works in our culture the disciples here have been in the upper room and they've celebrated the passover and at the end of john 14 jesus says come now let us leave so this exchange happens on the road it happens in the alleyways of jerusalem not in a religious building but more akin to the commuter route or the school runs of the day it may have been that they saw a vine as they traveled Or perhaps it was the image of a vine which was carved on the gates to the temple. And Jesus stops his friends and says, I am the true vine. Now the idea of the vine is a powerful one. Up until now, Jesus has used a number of different ways to describe who he is. He says, I am the bread of life, I am the gate, I am the shepherd. All of which point to who he is. But as he makes this statement about the true vine, he points not only to his relationship with his father, but also to his disciples' relationship with him. Do you see the subtle shift? He's beginning, he is beginning to say that he's not, he is not, this is not just about who he is. But it's about us. We who are in him. Jesus has already stated that relationship and connectedness are key. He said, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And although it seems strange to us, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, his followers would have thought of relationship. They would have thought about connection with God and with one another. The Jewish audience would have immediately recognized the notion of the vine of God. Back in Isaiah 5, there is a description of the relationship of God and his people. It says this, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a winepress as well. But this love song for his chosen people his vineyard, is also a lament, a sad reflection on what could have been in that relationship. Despite the fact that God had chosen his people, the story of Israel had not always been a happy one. Time and again, they had turned their backs on the Holy One. The vine of Israel was not producing fruit as it should have done. The people were not living in a right way with God. It's a sad state of affairs. But the story isn't without hope. The vine is not dead. We heard it read over Christmas, didn't we? A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Israel had yielded bad fruit. So God would replace Israel with a more fruitful people. Israel had turned its back on the relationship held out by the Father. So when Jesus says, I am the true vine, he's recognizing that the old vine, Israel, was producing bad fruit. Indeed, at that time, the religious leaders were even then plotting to kill God's own son. So this true vine is Jesus, the new Israel. He embodies God's true intention for Israel. He's the channel through whom all God's blessings flow. He's the fulfillment of the vine of God. And Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me. Jesus is the focus of God's plan of salvation. He's saying that the characteristic for membership among God's people is no longer ethnically constrained, but one that's made up of believing Jews and Gentiles, united by faith in him. United by being part of the true vine. You see, he opens a way for every one of us. And into this situation, Jesus says, I am the new, the real, the true vine. I'm the ultimate fulfillment of that promise of God to have a people for himself. You see, it's a paradigm shift. It doesn't matter which side of town you're from. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter what your qualifications are or what your job is. What matters is that you are part of the true vine. And that comes not from keeping the law, but by having a relationship with Jesus. Believing that he is God's son, that he died for us, and that he lives in us that we might live. He invites us into connection with him. This is enough to transform the way that we look at church, isn't it? Our invitation to remain means having a life-giving connection to him. We're connected to the vine, just as the vine is connected to the branch. There's no life, no fruit, no purpose without connection. And do you see how this connection means we're being connected with one another too? That in being connected to the vine, one branch is now connected to another. As those that believe and have been baptized, we are now in Christ. And we form a new community, which we call the church a new and connected body. What a freedom that gives. It's great news because it means that we don't have to do everything because we are not the totality of the vine. We're a branch. It means that we don't have to strive for the impossible because we only need to remain, to abide, and fruit will come. It means that we need to be aware of and support and pray for activity in the rest of the vine. It means we can ask our Father in heaven, the vine dresser, and it will be given us. It means that I need to know my neighbor. It means that sharing coffee after church is important. It means that caring for new people when they arrive really matters. Because community The vine, with all its branches, is important. It's where fruit arises. And in the end, it's hope for the world. And this community that Jesus is building in him is a community that abides, that remains, that continues, and that bears fruit. That's something we're going to look at more next week. But for now, let's stay with this premise of what it is to remain in the vine. Remain in me And I will remain in you, says Jesus. This isn't a let go and let God attitude. This is saying that to remain is our responsibility. The onus of this passage is clearly on the fact that we, like Israel before us, might not remain in him. Despite being part of the vibrant, life filled vine there is a possibility that we might not remain. There's no question here about whether he will remain in us. The emphasis is on our responsibility, not God's. We can depend on him keeping his side of things. We just need to remain in him and we know he will remain in us. It's no mistake that this comes at a time when Jesus has introduced us to the fact that he is going to go away and he will leave the counselor to be with us. Because if we remain in Jesus, then his spirit, the sap, if you like, will flow into us as branches of the vine and fruit will come. We don't do God a favor by following him. He's not in need of some good people to be on his side to help him out. He is the vine, and we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. You see, it all starts with our dependence on him. The branch will only bear fruit when it's part of the vine. As a church, we need to be more awake than ever to the realities of our world. Because I'm guessing as soon as you leave, or maybe when you get home, you will check your phone and you will see the latest news feeds and you may hear of, I don't know, another bomb, another crash, another political earthquake. Friends, we need to be a church that is connected connected to each other and to our Christian brothers and sisters across the world, but ultimately to Jesus. If we're connected with those Christians in Aleppo, with those who are homeless, with those in our own backyard who are suffering from state restrictions on welfare provision or debt or unemployment or depression, then we begin to see that we're in this together that their wounds are our wounds. You see, I think connection can lead us into one of two ways. Being connected with one another and can lead us to despair. It's all too much. It hurts too much. Or it can lead us to hope. And when we're connected with Jesus, I believe that it takes us to a place hope. The news may point to humanity spinning out of control, to the precarious nature of life, to considerable uncertainty, but the gospel of Jesus gives us a clarion call that there is another narrative, which is neither routinism nor extremism. The King, that King Jesus is claiming his throne, that he is making all things new, and he starts With each one of us. This isn't just naive thinking, it's the reality of being connected to the vine. That's why this year at St. Andrew's we're starting with a reminder through our sermon series of what it is to be a community. A community that goes deep into the reality of being part of the vine, connected to Jesus. A community not of extremism nor routinism but a community with a vibrancy, a life, a passion, because we're connected to the living vine, to Jesus himself, and because of that, to each other. I want you to be part of that. Will you join me this year as we go on that journey together, as we commit ourselves to being linked into the vine and to discover what it is to bear fruit together under him? You can do that by joining a home group and being truly connected with others as you open God's word and as you seek to know what it is to abide in him. You can do that by helping others to become connected to this living vine. We've got an alpha course starting in just a few weeks' time. It's a great opportunity to invite others to discover what it is to be part of the living vine. And as part of that process of discovery, I'm setting aside a week to pray for our part of the vine here in North Oxford. And I want to invite the whole church to do that in February. We're going to pray for our connectedness. Our connectedness to God, because we have to start there. But also to one another. Because we want to learn what it is to love one another well. And our connectedness to our world because we need to share a hope to Oxford and to this world. A hope that we find in Jesus who is alive and reigns. A hope that it's good news in the face of the pessimism of the world. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you spare us? Spare us from mindless extremism. And spare us from mindless routinism. But would you draw us into a living and vibrant relationship with you, the true vine? And as we learn to remain in you, would you produce fruit in us? Fruit that will last, and fruit that will have an impact upon this city and this nation and this world. For your glory's sake, we pray. Amen.